Good afternoon. Thank you once again for joining me. Julian Campbell here. We've got another exciting show for you lined up for this year's week. A bit later in the program, we're going to be talking with Christina Sikiotis with that minute on innovation. And we'll be looking at, is it innate in all of us? We're also talking with Tony Vidray from AV Chartered Accountants about some of those things that were discussed last week in superannuation. But right now, we're going to have a chat with Michelle Pascoe from Oops. And we're going to be talking about techniques for your customers. Good afternoon, Michelle. Good afternoon, Julian and listeners. How are you? Oh, thanks for joining us. And I suppose the, the, the song was very appropriate, She's Gone, because that often happens with our customers, doesn't it? It certainly does, Julian. <laughs> so, so I suppose the first question is, how do I find out my customers' experiences with my business? Look, it's, it's critical that we find out. And I think in business in life, we don't always like asking people because we're always a little bit concerned, are they going to say they don't like us? Uh, you know, we ask our friends and our family, uh, but once again, we're hoping they're going to say some positive outcomes about our business, our service or our product. We have seen uh, comment cards that are used in a lot of, particularly the hospitality industry. We can see it by repeat business and referrals, uh, surveys, but I think, uh, Julian, have to agree and probably many of your listeners that... We go to so many places and we always seem to get an email saying, you know, fill out this survey. Unfortunately, we are getting our inbox filled with those. Uh, so many of us now just delete them. I believe the the best way uh, and for an unbiased um, comment back about your business is using a third party, a mystery shopping company. Uh, we've found in our experience over the last 20 years that by using... Uh, that third party who was unbiased really gives you a, a true feedback on the total customer experience, which would cover, you know, the image, your marketing, your service, any compliance um, issues, and just looking at the daily day um, operations and the systems and procedures that you put in business. So it really gives you more than just your, as I said, family and friends or comment card saying, yes, you get five out of five, but what does that actually mean? So mm. it is critical that you do get that, that information back to be able to grow your business. And, and as you say, the those survey cards, people often just don't have the time to fill them out or they're linked to some sort of a gift where you get posted by other people afterwards. Yes. Yes, yes, I'd say I did that the other week and I think I've had about 20 phone calls from different people, totally unrelated. And yes, look, you do, you get bogged down. So people just go, you know what, forget it, and they delete it, which is unfortunate for the business. But yeah, look, mystery shopping, I think, is certainly a good way to go. So, so I suppose it is important for us to test our customers' experience and, and of course, that of our competitors. Look, it is. I think, and I think what we're going to take out first is the is the cost. Like, let's take out the price. We're not comparing prices. We're comparing the biggest point of difference, and that's you. That's the person in the business, whether you're the sole owner or whether you have staff. So, by testing your business with the, the same report against your competitors, you really get a true idea of of comparing that apples with apples. Uh, you know, you can go, whether it be over the telephone, whether it be through the internet connection with emails or websites or that face-to-face when they come into your business, you do the same with your competitors. Because I think sometimes we have this idea that, oh, yes, I've heard what our competitors are doing because, you know, one of our um, customers have told us that. But actually go and experience it. And I know that's a bit hard when you're in a smaller community because usually they know who yeah. each of the competitors are. So once again, using that, um, that third party to do that really gives you that opportunity to say, okay, what have they experienced and what makes the difference 
with our competitors and why are people going to them and perhaps not us mm. or why are they coming to us and not going to them so yeah it really does give you that whole 360 um, you know viewpoint of your business now, I've heard this term sales conversion timeline what, what are we talking about there Oh, you know, I think when we all start up business, we think, great, you know, people are going to come through the door or, you know, lock on with the, the order online, etc. But it really does, um, you know, generally it could take three to six months to start getting a true client base. In some businesses, it could be shorter or even longer. But it's actually a client base, not just having those odd people coming in. And we've got to be aware of what is that sales conversion, that, that really is that timeline, because, you know, people that have got product, they may have, you know, they've got an order from the supplier, they've got to have it out in the garage, or whether it's books or whether it's product in the, the back room of the shop, and that sits there. They have to pay their supplier within 30 days, maybe even less, but their sales conversion to actually get the money back on that product could be 60 days, 90 days, maybe even more. When you're selling the service, we, we you know, as business owners, we see the invoices going out, we see the money coming in, and we think, look, that's great. Unfortunately, in some businesses, we put all our eggs in the one basket, so mm. to speak, and you'll have, uh, you know, that staff member only has to move on to another company or that company relocate or even, unfortunately, close down. We lose a great percentage of our business. We have to constantly market because that sales conversion, particularly for a service, could be a minimum of three months by the time you first make the phone call to find out who the you know, contact person is, then you send them the email or the lumpy mail or then you may get to meet them and then they've got to work out their budget. It is, that's three months. So when we talk about sales conversion, it's that length of time between the moment you first put that product on the shelf or you make that first contact to actually when you get paid for that invoice or it goes through your till. It's not it's not as quick as some people expect. And so particularly if we put our eggs in one basket, Unfortunately, there are some businesses that um, you know find it very hard in the lean mm. time because they haven't realised what that that length of um, that sales conversion is. And I suppose that once we've understand stood our customers' experience with us, we're then in a position to uh, to be able to find out what our point of difference is. And uh, I believe you're coming up here next Wednesday for breakfast at the Hunter Business uh, Chamber. Uh, yes, I am. You're going to be talking about the customer engagement and service and mm -hmm. helping our listeners or, our, or the attendees, I should say, at the breakfast, yes. a three, a mini three-step action plan. And yes, I presume that's that's, they're the sorts of points you're going to be looking at. Yes, certainly we will be. And then also just looking at that, you know, that back end, how important it is to get the back end right before you do the big marketing campaign. So, mm. yes, look, I look forward to uh, coming up there and speaking next week. So it'll be a great day. Well, have fun in Newcastle and we'll talk okay. to you another time. Excellent. Thank you very much, Julian. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right. Goodbye. Michelle Pascoe there from Oops, helping us to understand some techniques for customers. And, yes, it is sometimes important to get that feedback from somewhere. And because then we can work out what our point of difference is and what we can really give our customers their needs. And it's uh, 23 minutes past one. You're listening to Business, The Law and You on 2NURFM 103.7. Time to pop over to uh, Tony Vidray at AV Chartered Accountants. Good afternoon, Tony. Good afternoon, Gillian. How are you? Everything's beautiful. It is. Everything <laughs> is beautiful, actually, when, especially when you're driving in. And uh, I just wanted to pick on something that your previous speaker um, uh, spoke about, the customer service. You know, it never ceases to amaze me when people are driving around in their employers' cars and the, <laughs> the name of the business is emblazoned on the side of the car. And then they catch you up. 
and then they want to get involved in uh, in all sorts of road rage incidents and uh, and uh, yeah, getting. I saw one the other morning where yes, this particular person did not do his employer the best of customer service by getting involved in a bit of a an argument on the roads. It's interesting. I was giving a seminar on customer service a few months ago to an employer group, and one of the cars cut me up on the way in. Oh, uh, <laughs> so yeah, it was yeah, a, it was yeah, a good yeah, opening comment. <laughs> So we're going to talk about the uh, superannuation uh, um, statements that were made last week. Last uh, Friday, uh, yeah. And yeah, par- apparently get... you reckon that some of the media got it wrong. Oh, they did, they did. Look, I'm not going to get bogged down on the um, on the actual detail that was announced on Friday, but gee, it was frustrating um, sitting through it. Some of the things that the, uh, the media um, got wrong, they kept referring to, they kept saying it will only affect people with balances over $2 million and they kept all three commercial stations said it, the ABC, SBS said it. It's not what Bill Shorten said. What he said in his announcement was that they were going to tax people if they earned more than $100,000 in their super fund and what he said was typically if you have $2 million in your fund and typically if you're earning 5% then that's people who have above that will be affected. You could have $3 million in your fund getting a 3% return and you won't be affected. Mm. You could have a million dollars in your fund getting an 11% return, and you will be affected. Mm. So, so that, that part of it was, um, was reported incorrectly. And the, the other thing I found interesting was within hours of the announcement on Friday, the superannuation industries were also querying the government's assertion that it was only going to affect 16,000 people. Well, if this gets in, uh, I can assure you it will affect a lot more than 16,000 people because what typically happens in a, in a super fund, especially if it's got property in it, you could go for 20 years without earning more than 100000 The year you sell the property, you make a capital gain and you're going to go over mm. over that 100000 So it, it was a little bit of... Bit of bit of games on on Friday, but I mean, you know, a million dollars in a super fund at a high investment is not that hard, is it? I mean, I would imagine quite a few people have that sort of dollars. Well, it, it, this is it. It's it's uh, yeah, exactly. I and I I haven't seen the stats on it, but it's not out of the realms of possibility that people do have that sort of money. And and if we live in an environment where people are encouraged to save, and and again, the irony is that they were announcing higher amounts of super contributions going in. The super guarantee charge, which we'll talk about closer to June, it's starting to go up from 9% up to 12%. There will be more money in super funds. Mm. So they're encouraging savings and getting people to put more money into super, only then for them to, to tax it eventually at a higher rate, which was yeah, a bit ironic. And, of course, we've only got a few months for it all to get through anyway. Well, this is the part that, that, that really intrigued me. The announcement was made on Friday... And by Saturday morning, high-ranked Labor officials had already admitted that it's highly unlikely that any of the changes that were announced on Friday will actually make it through Parliament by September. Hmm. So by Saturday morning, that whole announcement that had been made had been relegated to Labor policy. So, uh, you know, again, if you form the view that there'll be a change of government in September... I wouldn't be worrying too much about what was announced on Friday. If you if you think there won't be a change of government, then maybe you might need to start thinking about doing things. But I, I don't think that'll be the last um, that we hear about it. It was it was pure politics in its in its well, it was pure, politics in its purest form. I think on Friday, it's all wait and see, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And another another little quirky one for you that what came out of Friday as well. Um, you, you do realise that it won't apply to everyone. 
apparently um, it won't apply to uh, judges yeah. and it won't apply to state politicians. There's mm-hmm. a constitutional problem when the federal government get involved and try and tax um, certain areas. Um, they, they have a constitutional um, barrier. They can't actually tax state politicians mm-hmm. and judges. So, yep, so much for spreading the, uh, spreading um, it around. the burden of, of tax uh, in, a, in a fair way. Very yeah. interesting. We'll have a chat with you again next week. Okay. Have a soon. good week. Bye-bye. Tony Vidray there from AV Chartered Accountants just looking at the superannuation uh, announcement in a slightly different way. And uh, remember the morning show with Dave Cochran back tomorrow from 9am. We're going to find out about this weekend's activities and events at the Richmond Vale Railway, which of course is coinciding with the Steam Fest on the weekend. What's on in our gallery, Theatre Arts World? We find out all of those activities and events with Libby Dickinson and get a house call from the merry medic uh, Dr James Wright plus of course coffee break and this tomorrow is Susie Contro that's Fridays from 9am till noon on 2NURFM 103.7 well now it's 1.31 time to pop over to Christina Sikiotis for our Minute on Innovation good afternoon Christina I'm here. Hello, Julian. I lost you for a minute. Oh, okay. Well, as long as you're here now, that's good. So, I am. I am. And, and you're I, going to I talk a, talk about uh, innovation being innate in all of us. Well, I think so. I thought we'd go on a little bit of a round journey today, actually, and start with a reminder about what innovation actually is. So pairing it right back, it comes from the Latin word innovatus, which means to renew or change and literally means into new. So it can be seen as a process that renews something that that already exists as well as the introduction of something new. And if we think about innovation in those terms, then everyone innovates nearly every day. Everyone just doesn't know that we do it. Mm. So probably, um, probably this innovation happens innately every day. Every time we solve a problem, that's innovation. We're thinking, we're thinking about a new way to approach something. And that reminded me about something um, that I read recently all around percentages um, that were delivered by a, from a Sydney company about reward and recognition in the workplace. And the percentages went something like this. 42% of businesses don't have a reward and recognition program. 57% of those that do have one have a substandard one. And 25% only, only 25%, have an adequate one. So the survey said that, that breaking those figures down further, 4% of people appreciate the reward 46% appreciate the recognition and 50% appreciate both. But, and here's the standout for me, 10% only appreciate public recognition and 51% of those surveyed preferred private or small team recognition. Mm. And let's not forget the recognition of the team because it's very rare these days that anything happens because of one person. There's a collaboration and it's usually a team effort. So that sent me thinking about Daniel Pink and his book Drive, The Surprising Truth About What Really Motivates Us. Um, where he writes, the main motivation is the need to direct our lives, to learn and create new things and to do better by ourselves and our world, which he summarises as autonomy, mastery and purpose. So if I tie all that together, that means I'm going to start sounding like I'm on repeat every week, Um, but the more employee empowerment, the happier the workforce, the more motivated the team, the higher the productivity, the higher the bottom line, um, which is something that we could have innately known, but the stats and the research just keep coming in to back it up. Mm, okay, well that's good. And, uh, you know, that public recognition, I noticed a, a few years ago there were uh, all sorts of reward systems, in, particularly in uh, in 
fast outlet places and you used to get to see them up on the wall, whereas they all seem to yeah. have disappeared. Yeah, they do. And you know, the other thing um, that was interesting, and that, I think those were really good, Johnny, because they were done on a month-by-month basis. Mm. What they're finding also is that the, the further away the reward gets from the, or the recognition gets from the actual event. So just say you've, you've created an event um, and six months later down the track, the CEO comes and shakes your hand about it. The further away from the actual event it is, the less appreciated that recognition is, because really it's something that needs to be done a lot quicker. Done now. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, the, the jobs happened now, the, the, the benefits are now, the recognition, the thanks. And, you know, when we say recognition, often it's just a thanks, great job. Yeah, thank you. Well, thank you. Simple as that. Thank, thank you for you. your time. <laughs> we'll have a chat okay, with you again yeah. next week. Okay, we shall. Have a great week. Thank you. Bye-bye. Christina Sikiatis is there with a minute on innovation. And, yeah, that recognition is just so important, isn't it? Well, thank you for being with me for the last half hour. I hope you've enjoyed the program. We've looked at uh, techniques for your customers. And remember that uh, Michelle Pascoe will be here next week uh, for a breakfast uh, with the Hunter Business Chamber. And we've spoken about that superannuation announcement again. In a moment, Jane Klein will be back with more of your easy listening favourites. Next week, we're going to talk with Lester Miller from Allen's Patent and Trademark Attorneys about trademarks. We'll enter the world of tax again with Tony Vidray and, of course, that minute on innovation with Christina Sikiatis. I'd love your company at the same time for business, the law and you. Until then, have a safe and prosperous week. And as Dale Carnegie once said, act as if you were already happy and that will tend to make you happy.